Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Some things happen to us when we're young that it's almost impossible to recover from. This little boy was only five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. They found out that Jonathan was killed. And his nurse took him up and fled. When they found out that Jonathan was killed, they they knew that they were going to be coming. Someone might be coming for the next in line to the throne. And it happened. And sometimes stuff just happens. The boy didn't do anything wrong. He's five years old. You can't do anything wrong at five. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell. For the rest of this morning, I want to talk to folks who have been dropped. Dropped by someone who was supposed to take care of you. Dropped by someone you trusted. Dropped by someone who should have taken better care. Dropped by someone who ought to have known better. Dropped by someone so wrapped up in their predicament that you're the one that got hurt. The nurse assigned to protect the child made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And what we're reading actually applies to all of us because we've all been crippled one way or another by the fall. Everyone has at least one impediment or another in our lives. It's just that some are a little bit more obvious than others. And this is the introduction to this this person that they're about to name. And his name was Mephibosheth. This argument about what his name means, some say it means mouth of shame, but others means destroy of shame, but either way, Every single person in this room, live streaming, in the multi-purpose room can identify with him because we all have conditions that we're not proud of. We all have things that have happened in our lives that we're just not happy about. And sometimes we even try to hide. I remember, I've shared this with you before, when I, when I was in college, there was this beautiful girl. And I, we had a class at the same time, and I, I, I was, my dorm was downtown, and I had to, you know, uh, get on the bus to, 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 to go to class. And every day, she would have a sweater around her hand. And then when I see her on campus, she'd have a sweater around her arm. And I asked my buddy, what's, what's, what's up with, you know, why, what's up with the sweaters? And he said, uh, she's missing some fingers on her hand. As beautiful as she was, not as beautiful as my wife, of course. Just, just gotta be careful how I'm talking here. I felt that. I felt, I felt a little tug there. She still lived in hiding. And all of us will have areas in our lives. As great as they are, as wonderful as God has been. We all have those areas that we're just not super excited about. Areas that we are not just 
so proud of. Second Samuel 9 and 3. Watch what happens to Mephibosheth. Then the king said, Jonathan was dead. David is now seated on the throne. David is actually winning every battle he fights. I mean, David's a bad boy. He's at the height of his success and, and, and career here. At the height, at the top of his game, he said, is there not still someone? It's a lament. He's crying in his heart. And we're about to discover this is not just the sensitivities of David. He's actually representing the sensitivities of God. He said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show, watch this, watch this, the kindness of God. Now in those days, a king would wipe out anyone who was a potential threat, anyone who had any lineage where he could or she could possibly claim the throne. But David here is not acting in normal interests. He's not acting like a typical king. The Bible says he's showing the kindness of God. My Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. He's, he's, he's actually groaning in himself. This is not what kings did. And he's saying, is there still not someone of the house of Saul was his enemy? Saul was trying to kill David. Jonathan loved him, but Saul hated him and pursued him for years like a dog. But he's about to show us the kindness of God. Is there not still someone of the house of Saul, to whom I may show the kindness of God. We see here David even loving his enemies. This is not the kindness of David. If you want to know the kindness of God, you have to watch what happens in this narrative. The New Testament picks up on this. It says in Romans 5 and 8, it talks about the radical kindness, the radical mercy, the radical goodness of our God. Unlike any other, it makes no sense. It's impractical in so many ways. It costs God his own son, the kindness and the mercies of God. Actually, the Bible speaks of the tender mercies of David. Pay attention, though. But God demonstrates. He doesn't just give us theology about it, philosophy about it. He doesn't just send books and, and, and send oracles. God demonstrates. He takes on a human form and says, let me show you in, in, in body. I'm going to become Emmanuel. So it won't just be a concept in somebody's brain. You will see it in living color. You'll touch it, feel it. You can smell it and even taste it in the air. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, 
He didn't wait till we got cleaned up. He didn't wait till we got it together. He didn't wait till we did better. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he's the same God and would do it again if it required it. Be bold because you're a child of God. But also be kind because everyone else is too. And Ziba, what a name, said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who was lame in his feet. So Ziba wanted to qualify it because when the king found out how much of a mess Mephibosheth was in, he probably just discarded him. And he wanted to be responsible for that. But watch four. But the king said to him, where is him? Where is he? The, the reason David had to ask where Mephibosheth was, was because Mephibosheth was in hiding. He didn't know the heart of the king. He was hiding from the very one that wanted to make him a prince. Many of us are hiding from God. Thinking for whatever reason he's out to get us, but you need to understand that if God was trying to get you, you'd already be God. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> God knows how to find you. Skip to five. Then King David, you gotta remember he's a king. And as a king, you don't just send one guy. I mean, there's, there's, there's troops, there's horsemen, there's, there's, there's he, David sent, he put out an a APB, all points bulletin on this little cripple boy. An Amber alone, alert on every phone, on every radio station, on every TV. All the angels of heaven, all of God's hosts began to seek this one boy, Mephibosheth, to bring him back to the palace. Then King David sent and brought him out. God's goal is not to take you down, but to take you out and bring you up. Out of the house of Makur, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. And God is calling each of us out of Lodibar to a higher bar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face prostrate, and he basically lays on the ground before the king. So Mephibosheth was lame but not stupid. He knew to give honor to where honor's due. And by the way, it costs you nothing to show someone else just a little bit of respect. It doesn't subtract from you at all. If anything, it adds. Then David called him by name 
He said, Mephibosheth. You see, the, 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 the devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin but calls you by your name. And we all got sin in this room. We all got issues. We all got crippled areas. We all got places of brokenness and, and paralysis. And he answered his response to the kindness of God. Every Sunday, when people respond at this altar, they're responding to the kindness and the mercies of God. And he answered, he said, here is your servant. And this is all God wants to hear from us. Here I am, Lord. God didn't need you to fix it. God don't need you to make it better. All you're going to do for trying to make it better is probably make it worse anyway. All he wants is for you to be available. As you heard, he said, not looking for silver or gold vessels, just willing and available vessels. So Mephibosheth before the king, he says, here I am, Lord. So David said to him, I know what people say about me. I know you think I'm threatened by you. I know, you, I know that you know that I know that you have claim to the throne. I know what other people do. I know, you know, the way people, you know, other religions have said I am. And they think I'm a certain way. They said that this is the kindness of God, right? Do not fear. I will surely, despite the fact you are by blood my enemy. Despite the fact you have no merit to be in the presence of a king, I will surely, he's swearing to himself, these are strong words, show you kindness because you're such a good boy. Because you got everything right. For Jonathan, your father's sake. What I need you to see is David had a covenant with Jonathan, but all the benefits came to Mephibosheth. God the Father has a covenant with Jesus the Christ. And all the benefits come to those who are in him. So when I receive communion, I am celebrating the fact that I am joint heir with Christ. I have a covenant with the living God through the blood, you hear what I'm saying, in the body of our Savior. And all the benefits that would accrue to his account are now available in my account. So Jesus teaches us, when you pray, don't pray in anyone else's name. Don't pray based on your merits. Don't pray based on how good you be, how, how much you tithe, how much you serve. Pray in a name above every other name. Pray in the name of Jesus. Pray in the one who is in covenant with the almighty God. I don't go to him based on myself. I go to him based on Jesus, his sufficiency, his sacrifice, his blood. He paid the penalty for me. And because of him, 
Mephibosheth had nothing to offer David. I have nothing to offer God. But because of the covenant with Jonathan, I don't have faith because I get it all right. I have faith because Jesus got it all right. And he ever lives to make intercession on my behalf, making sure that the promises of the covenant come to pass. Sit down for a second. Now, in a covenant, there's also an exchange of names. That's why in the marriage covenant, names change. Today, sometimes they're hyphenated. Sometimes there's an actual change. And you know what? I, 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 I used to be, you know, Derek the dummy. But when I was joined to Christ, whatever my prefix, whatever, whatever I was, the prefix became Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? And because I belong to him, I have access to things I would not otherwise have access. The clock is ticking. Also, we didn't mention this yet. In a covenant, there were necessary witnesses. Last week we talked about a covenant being like the rotary coming, the rotary public. And, uh, you know, uh, they put the stamp on the deal, and, and that's the strongest, you know, one of the strongest ways we, we seal documents today. But at least the last time, I don't know if things change so much around here nowadays, but the last time uh, I, I signed one of those documents, there had to be a witness, even today. So what we have is, first of all, Jesus is the sacrifice. The covenant is between the perfect man and the perfect God. Pay attention. If the covenant was with, with me and you, we'd mess it up. We'd violate the terms of the covenant. That's why the Mosaic law caused people so much trouble, because Israel kept breaking the terms of the covenant. But now we're in Christ, the perfect man, united to the perfect God. But guess who the witness is? The Holy Spirit. So every time in your New Testament, where it says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, yeah, God, that we belong to God, that we're sons of God. It's the Holy Spirit doing his job. He saw the Father's broken heart when the Son bore our shame on the cross. So he saw the Father and the Son. He saw the perfect sacrifice. He was there for the rest, and he bears witness today that the tomb is empty, and he bears witness today that the terms of the covenant must be enforced on the earth. Are you paying attention? I just went somewhere I didn't intend it. But the covenant we have, and when you start seeing these things, the New Testament looks a little bit different. Every time you see witness, like, whoa, what does that mean? Now I see. But, but watch what happens next. And I will restore to you all the land, this is what happens with covenant, of Saul, your grandfather. The covenant brought restoration. Communion is just a reminder of the fact that Jesus died to get back to us everything the devil stole. And then he said, you shall eat bread at my table. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. For you prepare a table before me in the presence of my, my enemies. But, but, but notice here, 
This is the king's table. Only the heads of state and the princes or the princesses and the wives ate at this table. David restored Mephibosheth to royalty. He'd become a prince. Every time you drink the cup, every time you eat the bread, it is a reminder. Royalty is your new identity. Servanthood, your assignment. But intimacy at God's table is our new life. Verse 8, almost there, two more verses. Then he bowed himself. That's all he could do. He said, why y'all worship so much? That's all we could do. himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Mephibosheth, I get it, but it's not about how much of a mess you are, Mephibosheth, but it's about the covenant the king had with your dad. And the issue is not about how good you are and how much you deserve about the covenant God has with Jesus. And the Bible says we are in Christ. We are the body of Christ. And he is the head. God doesn't have a covenant with the head he doesn't express to the body. Every time you receive communion, you need to be remembering yourself, I am the body. I'm discerning the body. I am part of the body of Christ. And everything that's his is mine. This is not religion. This is faith in a covenant-keeping God. Verse 13, and we're done. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually, continually. This is, God's not looking for a one and done, but an ongoing, living, growing communion with him. So when Phibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. But watch this. But watch this. This is important. And I'm going to stop with this. And he was lame in both his feet. Mephibosheth still had problems. Church people still have problems. Can I get an amen in here? He still had issues. But it did not impact his fellowship with the king. When I'm right, I go to the king. When I'm wrong, I go to the king. When I'm happy, I go to the king. When I'm sad, I go to the king. When I'm I'm hurting, I go to the king. When I'm whole, I go to the king. When I'm confused, I go to the king. When I'm clear, I go to the king. When I, I mean, when everything goes left, I go to the king. When everything's going right, I go to the king. There's a seat for me at the table. No matter what happens, despite the issues and my frailties, my particular handicaps, there's a seat for me 
and there's a seat for you at the table. 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 At the come to the table. Come to the table. There is a place for you at the table. Give God a hallelujah and a hand clap. Hallelujah. There's room. There's room at the end. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.